1: Welcome to another episode of Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer, Frank Curry,
3: and Kyle Powell.
1: And we come at you twice a week here on WGR550.com on your on demand audio under the Leftovers Podcast. We got a new banner. It's me yelling and the other two looking content and confused. And that's pretty much on brand for what this, uh, what this show is.
0: I just, look, I just look like everything's normal.
1: Yeah, you're, actually, you're used to this. Kyle's looking over at me like, what are you doing, man?
0: Yeah, I'm like, and don't worry, everything's fine.
1: Yeah, everything is normal. Everything's normal. I'm yelling. I'm probably going to at some point because Boston won again, and I'm going to hate Boston. But we're not going to talk about that right now because we are one day away from the draft, and that means one last time we got to hit the pre-draft talk, and that means a great excuse to talk to our boy Matt Perino from New York Upstate. Joining us now on the Leftovers podcast, Matt, it's Derek, Kyle, and Frank. What's going on, buddy?
2: Now, much is putting the finishing touches on our, our pre-draft coverage. You geared up for uh, a long four-day weekend uh, down at the stadium.
1: Yeah, and uh, speaking of which, with the pre-draft coverage, you got a little fancy here, to, here today with your final mock draft of the season.
2: Yeah, I went a little bit. A little bit nuts. I mean, I've been looking at things the last couple of days and reading as much as I can about, you know, what teams might be doing, what they might be thinking. And you just go back and you think about what, you know, Brandon Bean said and, you know, the fact that, you know, he wants to add – he wants to, A, number one, take the best player available. Uh, and the reason why I have two trades going on here is because I think that that player is going to be gone by the time the Bills get to number nine. I think Ed Oliver, who's who, in my opinion – you figure Quinnen, Bosa, and Josh Allen are out of the mix, right? And after that, you figure Oliver's his top target. After that, maybe Jonah Williams, maybe a DK Metcalf is in there, maybe a TJ Hawkinson. Well, I think that the uh, I think Metcalf will be there, but I don't think the Bills are going to go there at number nine. And Ryan put out a mock draft that has them trading down and taking him at uh, I believe sixteen, a trade with the Panthers. But I think that they're going to trade down and, and go with uh, Christian Wilkins. Uh, I'm hearing some some buzz around his name. I think that this regime is very high on Christian Wilkins, not only from his skill set, but also what he brings as a locker room leader. And, you know, all we've been talking about the last few months is what they're losing and Kyle Williams retiring and, you know, the loss of a voice in that room. And of course they have Lorenzo Alexander still there, but who's going to take the mantle when he leaves? Uh, this is probably his last year. So I, I like the Wilkins pick. And I think that, you know, they want to move back into this first round late to get a playmaker and I think uh, Noah Fan is the most dynamic playmaker at that spot in the draft at 31.
1: And the most interesting thing about your mock draft is, first off, for me, I I've tried predicting trades and surprisingly last year was probably the only time I ever got close to hitting on a, on a mock draft trade when I had the Bills trading up with Tampa Bay and not giving up their first round pick. I was told by people that I was on some form of drugs, but It's tricky to mock trades, and having you predicting not trading down once, but twice within the first round for the Bills is, you know, it's a complicated thing. So what's got you in that mindset thinking that Brandon Bean's going to manipulate it that much here with 10 picks already heading into the draft?
2: Right. I think it's such a deep draft that I think if you can can draft high, you know, first 32 picks, if you can get two starters – Somehow, uh, guaranteed starters, number one on the depth chart type of guys, uh, and they do that with a Wilkins and a Fant. And then you can add two two picks in the second round, uh, for some depth guys where, you know, this draft is the chunkiest. I mean, there's a lot of meat on the bone when it comes to the offensive line, uh, uh, almost every offensive line position and um, the wide receiver position. So... You take a look at that, and it, at the end of the day, if you get five picks in this draft in the first seventy-four, and I think that all of a sudden Brandon being, you know, uh, you, you think about some of the hits that he's had last year, and then the year before before he got here when, you know, McDermott drafted Milano and Tre'Davious White, and you know they're just absolute home runs. I had, uh, you know, kind of a crazy pick there in the second round uh, with Greedy Williams. I, I, I'm not sure if he'll last that long. Uh, I did a little bit of a deep dive on him, and there are some scouts that are saying that you know his stock has dipped quite a bit, and you know it just takes like you know anybody to fall in love with you or out of love with you at this time of year to have your stock go either way. And if there's 50, if there's four quarterbacks going in those first 15 picks, a lot of guys are going to start being pushed down, and then it comes to team needs, and you never know crazy things have happened. And you know Tre'Davious White is here, former LSU guy that you know is a big fan of Reggie Williams, and I think that that makes sense because. Sean McDermott is a is a team guy. He's a big, tremendous white guy. If that guy's banging the drum in the room, I think it's it's worthwhile. So and and it also fits that best player available pick. You know, if Green Williams is there, at 40. I mean, that that's a potential top 10 pick three months ago. So I think it's uh, obvious. I think it's it's very ambitious. The entire mock draft. If you take a look at it, but you know, I just think you just uh, I I think he's going to be very active in pursuing the best route to bringing in talented football players
1: and honestly i think i gotta ask at this point what's going to be more ambitious i your mock draft or uh your colleague ryan talbot who uh i was reading his yesterday and i was just like whoa i mean if half of this goes on i'm buying him a beer and i'm thinking the same <laughs> thing with you here if you get a two-round poll of christian wilkins noel font greedy williams and dalton risner you're filling not not just a lot of holes and then add a third round pick and receiver Calvin Harmon you're filling probably each of the positions that you have a question mark with and still getting a late round guy like a Khalil Hodge to have as a project pick for like in the 7th round like these are these are the sorts of things Matt that it's like you know yeah it's ambitious but at the same time if it goes that way or even 50% of it happens that way that's a damn good day and a damn good weekend
2: right and you know i think this mock draft season is all about putting potential scenarios out into the universe to just get an idea of what these guys are thinking about in the room and you know brandon bean in his in his last press conference before the the draft he really hit pretty deep on what it's going to take for him to want to trade up you want to trade down i think this these types of moves that i that i lay out in this mock draft they get them great players while also offering optimal value and that's what he's all about he wants to use his draft assets i don't the reason i put this one together the way that i did is because i think he wants multiple picks i think he wants to try to stock some picks while still hitting on some and if there's an opportunity to move back up like for a noah fan a guy that they have highly valued that they worked out privately that fills a couple of needs a number one at tight end and what they're looking for in the fact that he's, you know, he'll come in and probably be the fastest tight end in the NFL. I mean, it's almost like you're adding a wide receiver. So I think that there's an element, uh, uh, or there's so many things kind of at play here when you're thinking about what he wants to do. But I think he's going to be very active. I I, I would be very surprised if he goes into this three, day, three days of this draft and just takes, you know, 10 players with the 10 picks they have right now.
1: Yeah, Brandon Bean's not one to really sit there and – uh And hold on to everything. He likes to move up. He likes to move down. And, you know, your point about this being a very deep class, especially in day two, and you want to try to acquire as many of those picks as possible kind of thing, it really has me thinking that, you know, maybe that's how the Bills try to manipulate this board here. And really, for me, it just becomes a question, though, of if the Bills can't uh, trade out of nine, what do you think the direction would be for you to go in there?
2: That's a very real possibility, and I'm glad that you asked that because I did a mock draft today uh, on a radio station in Green Bay, uh, where they were trying. They brought in a bunch of beat writers from around the country to do to mock, uh, you know, a draft all the way up to number twelve for the Packers, and there was no trade-outs. so you had to take the best player available on the board. and I took Jonah Williams because Ed Oliver went right before me. Um, Hawkinson was off the board, so I think if they're there, they have to, you know, they'll. They'll have to make a decision. Is first of all, is there is there teams willing to move up? There's been kind of smoke on that all the past two weeks. Like, right? are these are these teams really in on the on this class of quarterbacks? There's a lot of things that I've read that this is you know very reminiscent of, of some of the real uh, stinkers of the last decade. I mean, go back to 2011 where a lot of those quarterbacks didn't hit. And this kind of has that similar feeling. So how passionate are some of these teams like the Giants and the Redskins and the Dolphins about moving up? I mean, to be honest with you, I think it would be crazy to see what everything that the Miami Dolphins are doing right now, tearing everything down, and with the, with the depth at quarterback and the, the high-level talent talented quarterback in the 2020 class, why would they even think about taking one of these quarterbacks with all the question marks? I like Dwayne Haskins. I like Kyler Murray. They're fine. But I, I don't see the absolute um, you know, franchise-changing potential of these quarterbacks. So you're very right. I, I think there's a real legit chance that Brandon Bean can't trade back. So then you have to figure out, all right, do one of those elite guys fall to you? How much do you believe in an Andre Dillard? How much do you think you can turn DK Metcalf into the next Calvin Johnson? Can you do it? Do you have the the people on staff here to do it? And those are questions that they have to ask themselves in that room, and if the answer is yes – do it, but you know what? At the same time, they might not have a choice.
1: Matt Perino joining us here on the Leftovers Podcast as we talk about the NFL draft here. You know, I'm noticing a common theme, though, with a couple of these mock drafts lately. uh, As we look into the second round, a very favorite target for the Bills in the second round has been offensive tackle Dalton Risner out of Kansas State.
2: Love that kid. (laughs) And I love him simply because... When I got to meet him at the senior bowl and talked to him for a few minutes and I put up a story that week on him and the fact that, you know, he was pretty gung-ho about the potential of coming to Buffalo. He's very good friends with uh Harrison Phillips, uh, you know, they from from the football world and also Glenn Gronkowski, who obviously very famous uh local guy who played for the Bills for a few minutes. And uh he you know, he loves everything he's heard about Buffalo and I think he just, you know, screams process, you know, every everything that he's about, like the work ethic, the the commitment to the team, and he, I think he brings a nice little dynamic to the offensive line in that he, he likes to play really nasty. And and I think you look across the line last year at Jordan Mills and John Miller and Ryan Groy. I, I know I was up close and personal at a lot of practices and talking to those guys, and I didn't get a sense of very much nasty out of those guys, you know what I mean? And Dean Dawkins, Dawkins, you know, a guy who I expect to take a step forward this year, um, again, though, that doesn't strike me as a nasty guy. I, that's what I think. You know, the coaching staff really liked about Wyatt Teller is that, you know, while there were some ups and there were some downs, he he had a mean streak to him at times when he was out there on the field, and uh, uh, I think that that's what you get in a Dalton Riser. There's also been some of that talk with a Juwan Taylor, uh, and that potentially could be an option at number nine. I was just discussing that with somebody on Twitter this morning, and you know, there's there's some things that concern me, uh, some weight issues early on that he seems to have gotten under control but that's always something to to monitor as he goes to the next level as a uh, underclassman uh you know a guy that's going to get a lot of money right away is he able to keep himself on task uh and also the penalties so you don't want to bring in a guy on an offensive line with your first overall your first round pick and have him be a guy that's you know setting you back with, with penalties for an offense that's trying to you know step out of the basement of the league so um you know, a lot of decisions to be made, but, yeah, I really do like Dalton Rice.
1: Now, another piece that was written, I mean, it wasn't your mock draft, but you mentioned a lot of trade-up and trade-down possibilities from pick nine. And they are as, you know, as high as three with the New York Jets and as low as going to what looks like 28 with the Chargers. And that would probably get you a first-round pick next year. So mm-hmm. with Brandon Bean – I guess I'll say, how likely is it? I mean, you've, you've got it twice here in this mock draft of yours. How likely would you put the odds on a percentage wise of Brandon Bean not being there at pick nine?
2: I'd probably say 55%. <laughs> like, I, I'd say that it's, you know, there's a likelihood there, but I, I would just say. Um, I still don't want to go too high just because it, I think it's going to depend on how this draft plays out. Like we could put all these different scenarios in play and all these different, like, you know, who will be there, you know, if they trade down four or five picks or six or seven picks. But the, at the end of the day, if they have somebody on their board, uh, you know, and, and, and the draft plays out where they're able to get them, either whether it be a nine or maybe even going up to get them, if they believe in Ed Oliver and or Quentin Williams, I mean, I, I saw a, a report that I think it was uh, Pelicero at NFL.com that said he thinks one of the most likely trades that could happen is the Bills giving up the 2021st and this year's first and some more picks to go up to two and get Quinn and Williams. I mean, crazy, right? But you know, if they have him ranked on their board as that top-tier guy, as the elite guy, like a lot of experts do, it's not the craziest thing because. That might be what they believe will get them over the top after all the activity on the offensive side of the ball this offseason. But, I don't know, that would be a steep price to pay at the same time. So, I'm I'm not quite sure.
3: Uh, I have a quick late-round question for you. I saw late in your mock that you have Khalil Hodge coming to Buffalo in the seventh round. So, it got me thinking. um, So, I did some search on Anthony Johnson and Tyree Jackson from the local, obviously, from UB. CBS Sports compared... Johnson's talents to a Miles Austin type sleeper in the draft and SB Nation had Tyree Jackson's potential 2019 Josh Allen have it with you without the uh, top 10 cost with some of the tools and whatnot so I just I, it got me thinking have you seen any deep mocks or what do you, what is your your thoughts on Johnson and Jackson have you seen any surprising noise around their talents heading into the draft
2: I saw one uh, mock having him go to Kansas City and I saw another mock having a Tyree go to Kansas City and another one having him go to LA and I thought LA Chargers was a very kind of interesting landing spot for him because you know, they brought in Tyrod to be the backup the main backup but what's to say they don't go out and draft to Tyree Jackson late late in the draft as a project to sit behind Philip Rivers for a year or two and you know just figure it out I mean they're going to need an uh you know their next man up after Philip Rivers decided to hang it up and I think Tyree Jackson is a perfect. That's a perfect landing spot where he can have two or three years to sit and watch and learn and uh, kind of groom himself a little bit. Now I've seen. Ty- I'm a big Tyree Jackson guy. Like obviously, once you do so love all those guys and everything. But uh, you know, I-, I saw him up close and personal after spending a year watching Josh Allen up close and personal, and he's not Josh Allen. I mean, I mean the the arm talent is completely different. Uh, he's got a massive arm, but it- the ball just doesn't come out the same way. He's a little bit more herky jerky in the pocket i i don't i don't necessarily see the same um i don't i don't feel that he's at the level of, that, that josh allen was at and i think that that's why he's projected to go later in the draft and uh but i think that he has the potential to build and to develop i mean he's still pretty you know he's been playing football for very long i think he started later on in life so for anthony johnson uh He's a guy that I think the Bills could target, you know, in the middle round if they don't if they don't go the route of, of a receiver in the first three or four. Um, he he uh, he's another guy that reminds me a lot of a Kelvin Harmon, like you said, a Miles and kind of still late. Uh, I think that he has uh, great hands. Uh, the speed may, maybe not there, but I, I, I mean there was times there before the injury this year when he was going first second round in a lot of mock drafts. So I think wherever he goes, if he goes fourth fifth sixth, it's going to be a massive steal for whoever gets them.
0: Now, we've been talking about a lot of what the Bills are going to do or what they can do in a lot of later rounds. I want to ask about the top of the first round. Arizona at one. Do you think they're going to go Kyler Murray or do you think they're going to go Nick Bosa or even somebody else?
2: I think uh at this point, from everything that I've seen and heard, I, I think it's going to be Kyler Murray. I mean, why – I just keep going back to why would you put this smoke screen out there unless, like, you know, Cliff Kingsbury and the ownership group and the front office sat in a room with Josh Rosen and said, hey, listen, just put your head under the table for the next two or three months. Let us try to, you know, finagle some uh, some potential trades We're going to say that we're in on Murray and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. It just seems just like too much out of a movie. Like, you know, you, you're playing some mental – some mental games with your young quarterback, if your plan is to keep Rose it just doesn 't make sense to me, so I think that they're they're moving on. I think that they 're going to go with Kyler Murray. I think when you have a guy that came out and said that you know he 'd take Kyler Murray first overall, i mean it 's no secret that's that 's his guy so um, so I think that he 's going to go first overall, and I think that you know it 's going to be a a race to get into the top ten to get whoever you want and who, and depending on who you talk to, different teams have different um Guys that they want to jump in for. I think some teams are high on on Haskins, um, but all of a sudden you're seeing you know a few of these teams that could be big on Lock. You could see the Raiders take Lock at four. You could see um, you know guys uh, teams moving in. The Redskins moving in they take Daniel Jones out of Duke. So I think that's all good things for the Bills. I think the Bills want every one of these quarterbacks to go in the top apex if possible. Um, and I think that it's going to you know people just get crazy at this time of year, especially bad teams with you know uh, bad. You know decision makers in place. They just start, you know, wheeling and dealing, and just trying to live in the moment and making bad choices. And I think it's a bad choice to take any of these guys in the top ten, including Kyler Murray. I know that's not a popular opinion, but uh, when he declared for the for the NFL draft, I mean, he was he was on most big boards. He wasn't even in the top twenty. So uh, I, I don't know. I I just think it's. Uh, Everybody is—it's recency bias. It's the excitement. It's the hype. It's the highlight reel. But dig in a little bit on Murray, and I'm not—I'm not sold that he's going to be the the next Baker or you know even comparison to Josh Allen as well. So we'll see. I think he's going one though.
1: Yeah. Now, staying on those quarterbacks, uh, Matt, you mentioned that they are not you know a worthy group, and that teams can get stupid with this sort of stuff. And I am very much in that camp. As a matter of fact, I put money on that on the air with Geary. And, uh, well, I'm not feeling too great about that because Dave Gettleman makes me very nervous. Now, we've got your opinion on what you think should be going on with this quarterback class. Do you expect that teams really will be this dumb that four quarterbacks could possibly go in the top 15 picks of this draft? Or at least the top 17 Uh, when we get to the
2: Giants? I really do because I think it's such a polarizing group in that I think that there are teams that are super high on Jones or that are super high on Haskins. And that's all it takes, like I said. And I think that that's the type of – I also believe in it because that's the type of philosophy that's going to have to play out for some of the guys that I have falling in my mock draft to fall. And that's, that was my thinking going into that. So do I, do I think it's a wise idea to do that? There's such a desperation – I think that, you know, in the NFL, it's such an interesting dynamic. It's almost like it doesn't really matter who the guy is. We just have to find a guy, even if it's a new guy, and say we have a guy, even if we don't think he's the guy. You know what I mean? It's just yes. like, there's a... I think Ryan Tannehill is a perfect example of that. From the mm. moment that guy was drafted, and I saw him taking snaps for the Dolphins, the regular season games, I'm like, how did anybody think this was going to be the guy? I mean, he had his moments, but there was just no consistency. I just... You, in, in my opinion, you find a guy that you believe in that you think you could put your franchise, uh, you, you could make your franchise quarterback. And Brandon Bean did that. He he believed in Josh Allen, and not everybody did, but he did, and they went with it. You have to find that guy and be confident in that guy. But you can't just, you know, go on a guy because you need a guy, and, and it just happens too much. So yeah, I'm. I'm I think this is a very shaky quarterback class, and I think that uh, some of these teams are going to be making some mistakes. But you know what? The Washington Redskins are not new to making mistakes.
1: That's true, and the Giants recently with Dave Gettleman are very much in that camp now. And meanwhile, Eagles fan over here just gets to just grin, just a slight grin from Kyle over here about the mistakes of the Redskins and the Giants. and then Basking in it. Yes. So... Congrats on still having the best quarterback in your division, uh, Matt. At any other musings, I would uh, I would suspect here for um, for the uh, NFL draft. I'm gonna I'm gonna be coming out with my mock, my final mock draft on uh, WGR five fifty tomorrow. It'll uh, it'll be unleashed. And my last one, I had T.J. Hawkinson. I don't know how much I'm gonna stray from that. I really think that if they end up staying at pick nine, it's going to be. An offensive player. I still think that this team is nowhere near done um, within the first and second round of adding weapons. And I know you're of the same camp here. What what is your impression really with the uh, with the tight ends here? You have them taking Fant in your mock with the trade down. What do you think of these tight ends with Hawkinson and Fant, and with the rest of this class?
2: Uh, it's hard because I think it's just about how you value that position, and there there's no. If ands or if buts about it, that position has really, you know, come into the forefront of importance in a lot of offenses across the league. So, if you have, if you believe that Hawkinson is that guy that's going to come in here and you know catch sixty to eighty balls and be one of your best blockers, you know, on the line when he's held in, and just bring a dynamic to an offense for a young quarterback like Josh Allen, then I think that that's worth. A ninth overall selection, but that's pretty high. I mean, what's the last tight end that went that high? I mean, O.J. Howard was an absolute freak, and I think he went 18th. So it's hard when you have a lot of holes to fill and a defensive-minded organization right now under Sean McDermott. And some would argue that you know he's making, he has a lot more pull in these kind of choices than than most coaches do. It's hard to to really predict that they would, go, they, would, they would buck tradition so much and go with a uh, a tight end at nine. But Hawkinson seems like he is a, a fit and checks so many boxes that if he does fall the nine, you talk about like not getting out of that spot and Oliver's gone and maybe Jonah Williams is gone and Josh Allen's gone. How can you, have, how can you find fault with going for a guy that could completely change the complexion of your offense?
1: Alright, Matt. It should be a fun weekend.
2: I can't wait. Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: Yeah. And uh trust me, I'm sure you'll I'm sure you'll get a text from me saying, Hey, you want to recap the draft? Okay. <laughs> Anytime. That was Matt Perino of New York Upstate. He has his latest mock draft out. You can check him out at Matt Perino on Twitter. Guys, we we're here. We're on the doorstep of the NFL draft.
3: What a road it has been. Mm-hmm.
1: It's not as exciting of a road or as hyped up as last year's. But But it's less polarizing. And really, I'm just excited because they really can't do anything wrong. Right. I mean, I saw the tweet from Joe yesterday about, sorry guys, I had to do it, and he has them taking Kyler Murray at 9, which I think was a fun little Photoshop job for one. Because there's no way a predictive simulator would have had Kyler Murray falling all the way down to nine.
3: Nor would it have had Quinn and Williams going to two different teams. Yes, I know. <laughs> I saw
1: that. So, But Joe had a little bit of fun with it, and that'd probably be the only way that they can that the, that the Bills can anger the entire fan base. So, my big thing still is, they really can't do anything wrong here. I'm excited to see what they do throughout and see what the vision is and how they attack this. Because it is a deep class. But they also can land a blue-chip guy if they stay at nine, especially if two quarterbacks go there. And I'm really certain I'm now losing $20. That's
0: almost a guarantee now. Yeah,
1: it's uh, it's not looking good here for uh, my wallet. <laughs> because, first off, I don't know how Daniel Jones is being seen as a first-round quarterback. I don't see how Drew Locke is seen as a top-ten quarterback. When he said
0: the Raiders take... Lock at four. That's why I laughed. I'm just like, oh my god. You see the things. Please thing is- do. That'd just be great. Please don't. I want to keep my twenty dollars. <laughs> You're gonna lose twenty dollars no matter what. I even if this. they don't. I hate this.
1: Stupid. Why man. not?
0: Why not lose twenty dollars in the most hilarious way possible? Watching the Raiders take Drew Lock at four.
1: And then the Giants taking Daniel Jones ever. Yeah. And then Dwayne Haskins is good enough to be a first round pick, so I've got no problem. I've got no qualms with him. I've got no qualms with him. I've got no qualms with Kyle Murray. Those two will go in the first round, and I feel like they should. The other two, uh, no. Not really. No. No. No, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. And bad teams stay bad. But, hey, Dave Gettleman's smitten with Daniel Jones, and the Redskins are like, hey, we like him too. And it's like me, a person, watching things, just going, Why? You see, he was coached by the same guy who coached Peyton Manning. And uh, he's, he's, his handoff is at great form, so he'll be able to hand off to Saquon and, uh, and throw to our not-Odell Beckham Jr. But I got a box safety in that trade because I really like Jabril Peppers. Meh, where's my cream of wheat? Two for two. Yeah. This week on... Bad Dave Gettleman impersonations. I don't even know how he sounds. (laughs) By the way, is it? What the hell? What are we doing with our lives here, guys? Don't just take quarterbacks because you need them. That's how 2011 happens. That's how how Christian Ponder ends up a first-round pick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And this could be so much worse. (laughs) They look at last year's quarterback class and go, they're friggin' awesome. All four out of five one of them's thinking and we're gonna do this again what do you mean you're doing this again (laughs) are you like what are you those other four guys are awesome dude you guys have one you picked you traded up for him at 10 overall last year what are you doing no look at this one
2: no kai put put that down go no no
1: If Steve Keim takes two quarterbacks in consecutive years and then gets maybe a third-round pick for Josh Rosen, it's just going to be, like, the, l- the lull-worthiest thing, and I feel like he should just be let out of the building after the draft. He should be let out of the building after the first round if that happens. Yeah. And locked out and not given a key back.
3: What do you mean there's a back door? How do you get back in here? <laughs>
1: So the Cardinals, like all the drama starts, pick one tomorrow night. And then do the Bills stay, do the Bills go. Matt Perino came up with an interesting number there. I asked for a percentage of the likelihood of him being at pick nine. Called it 55-45. That's a really high percentage of moving. Yeah. But he's got a point. They like to shuffle around, and they have ten picks to do so. Up and down, they do whatever they please. We saw it twice last year Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds. We saw it twice the year before Deion Dawkins, and Zay Jones in the second round. Like, they do not fear moving up or down to manipulate their board to acquire picks or go after somebody. And I love it. I love it all the time. If you're able to just manipulate the board and do what you damn well please. That, you know what that tells me though? They're sticking to their big board. They're sticking to their convictions on players, and they know that they can get them, or they know that they have to go get them. And they saw Tremaine Edmonds at six, falling like once he's at 16, you're like, that's striking distance. Um, we gotta go get this guy. And the fact that they didn't give up their other first-round pick means that they had ideas that something like that might happen. So I really I really like Brandon Bean as a as a drafter, not just because of the fact that he's bringing in good talent so far, even in your later rounds, which, oh, it is so refreshing to get starters in your later rounds. Yeah. Hint, hint, hint sabers. Hint.
0: Well, a little bit of difference with
1: that. A little bit of difference of it, but it's nice that you're getting full-time guys yeah. in round five, like Matt Milano. Right. Like, seriously. It's it's a refreshing I'm, change of pace, even from GMs have passed. I'm
0: You're getting starters. Yeah. I'm s- starting to think that the Bills might move up. I'm not gonna doubt it. If the right because, player falls because we're starting to also see the reports of Ed Oliver going to the Jets. And if that the Jets happens, really like him. Then
1: the question for me becomes, who's the player that falls that they're smitten with? Would it be Quinnen Williams or would it be the it, other Josh Allen? I think it's Williams. I think it might be Josh Allen. Honestly, if I'm the 49ers, I'm taking Quinnen Williams. He's the best player
0: in the draft. Take him. I think if, I think that'd be smart for the Niners, but I think, I think if Arizona takes Kyler Murray at one, I think they're going to go Bosa, too. Yeah, yeah. And then Ed Oliver – and if we're thinking Ed Oliver goes three to the Jets.
1: Then Quinn and Williams.
0: Know, Quinn Williams and Josh Aaron both there for the Raiders at four, but do they take them? By the way, can we go on the
1: latest derp fest of the Oakland Raiders?
3: <laughs> sure.
1: Here we go. You ready for this? The report a couple days ago about the Raiders possibly looking into a, quote, surprise pick unquote at pick four a what the hell does that mean b the raiders make making the smart pick is more of the surprise pick nowadays
2: <laughs>
1: and c i'm terrified yet really anxious to see what that means like, like who would it, who would it be
3: yeah, it was Monday when that came out, I yeah, believe, because yeah. I, was, I was at WGR when the news broke, and they were trying to figure out who the potential names could have been. They didn't, I don't think they really landed on anybody, but it yeah, was just funny to read was the report. was pressed on the
1: question. He was like, that could mean Devin White or that an was offensive one of them, lineman yeah. or a quarterback.
3: That was one of them that they were trying to link to, but it was just the funniness of the way the report came out. It would require the utmost secrecy on who they were going with. Joe thing. had an
1: interesting theory on that. He said Hollywood Brown. They've got his relative in Antonio Brown. Oh, my God. And they would add that, and I'm like, you know what? I am like, that. I could subscribe to that theory.
3: That was what it was. That was what it was. I could subscribe to that theory. That and Devin White was because how funny would it have been to try to see them supplement what they lost in Khalil Mack by suddenly bringing in the surprise pick at pick four and bringing in another linebacker and trying <laughs> to prove to the world that we didn't need Khalil Mack after all. We're going to find him with pick four and not tell anybody until – Jeez. We're on the clock. Yeah. This is ridiculous. This team is just.
0: And once again, that means. They're so cringeworthy right now. Two really good players are falling in the draft board, and the Bills and could go up and get them.
1: Honestly, they don't have to go. I wouldn't even and think they'd have, have to, to go, go after. have to go too far. I don't even think they would have to go after Tampa Bay's pick. I don't think you'd have to. And the Giants, Gettleman never trades down. Yeah. What does that mean? You have to jump up to eight? One spot. At that point, I don't know if you have to bother. Yeah. Someone stupid good might just fall in your lap. And then Brandon Bean's just sprinting to the podium with a card. Yeah. Usain Bolt hired for one day to be on the Buffalo Bills front office. Why? He's running the card for Josh Allen to be drafted by the Bills. Again. (laughs) (laughs) So there it is. I mean, the big question for me is going to remain, will Kyler Murray end up taking first overall? That's where all the drama starts. And then Oakland's there, and Oakland will do whatever dumb thing that they want to do. And then Dave Gettleman picks twice in the first round. I mean, we don't know whatever's going to happen there. And then the Bills will pick at some point in the first round. At some point. Yeah. Eventually. Mm -hmm. We don't know when. Mm Mm-hmm. It could be sooner, it could be later. We don't know. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting, it's going to be fun, and it's going to start right away. Right with pick one. And knowing them, they're probably going to take all 15 minutes to make their selection. They'll go like 1430 and then it'll say the pick is in. You want to know why? Because that's why something shouldn't always be over-televised. Like, I kind of hate that in the first round. It's a small little nitpicky thing, but it's like, if you know who you're going to take, why why are we waiting 13 minutes here for you to take the guy that we know that you're going to take? Like, it's like, say Devin White goes fourth overall to Oakland for some stupid reason, and... Josh Allen sitting there, pick five, and Tampa Bay is like, we should just take him. And then they wait 13 minutes to take him.
0: Well, I mean, there are legitimate other reasons. Yes. Like,
1: but, like, there's some years, like, the Jared Goff pick was not announced right away, and people had to wait, even though everyone knew that's where they were going with it. Or, like, when it's a slam dunk pick, why are you making us wait? Get it started, let's have a fun, and let's have a party. It's the draft.
3: I don't know, Do they give that time to get in touch with the player?
1: I mean, yeah, but do they need 10 minutes to do that? Those (sighs) players are answering whatever phone call is happening. If you're a telemarketer, hit that draftee up. (laughs) Right? Fair. They're picking up.
0: Mm -hmm. Fair. (laughs) Fair. That is true.
1: All right, but there it is. The NFL draft starts tomorrow night. I'm, I'm happy that it's going to be here. We didn't really get too much of stupid season though. We've got the Raiders, the Cardinals, and not much else. Well, and Gattelman, but we haven't really heard any crazy smoke screens. Other than the Raiders and the Cardinals, and they don't count, Gettleman. It's not the screw-ups that I need. It's other teams, man. I need those smoke screens. Those are the fun things. And we didn't get enough of those this year. That's a shame. It's a dang shame.
0: Yeah, definitely felt a lot more... It
1: seems more calm,
0: doesn't it? Yeah, a lot more quiet.
3: That's because it can go in so many different directions. I don't think a smokescreen this year doesn't any good because there is so many teams with so many needs and it's such a deep class. So many different paths, yes, and so many different paths. The yeah. only position that doesn't seem deep is running back in terms of positions of need and skill set, talent, and whatnot. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. There is going to be a lot of twists and turns coming tomorrow.
1: Yeah, there is going to be drama. It's just it's kind of cool. it's like a real calm before the storm sort of thing. That means something really dumb's happening tomorrow. Oh, I can't wait. It's really been a calm before the storm. There's three teams with dumb reports, and I think that that's where all of it's going to happen. That means the Bills are totally trading their pick. Yeah. They're going to add some flair to this. Because we're going to expect it from the usual suspects at this point. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens there. All right. First off, we got our first game seven overtime. And, by God, was that game a doozy. Yeah. If you missed San Jose and Vegas last night, you missed a good one.
3: So much to unpack. So much to unpack there. All Both the games. Both games. Toronto is eating itself yeah. alive right now <laughs> we'll talk about that
1: second i i mostly because i i have a problem but the other thing being this game was so much more fun mm-hmm. and it was crazy and entertaining and there's always there's gonna it's controversial because joe pavelski got rocked but was not a five-minute major and that's the main thing everyone's going to talk about how about the fact though that yeah, there's a 5 minute power play but what happened to your penalty kill? What happened? 4 4, four goals. 4 goals on the 5 minute major.
0: Yeah.
3: 4.
1: Look, I get it. San Jose. I get that it was a, a I get that it was a controversial penalty call to have a 5 minute major and tossing one of your better penalty killers for cross-checking someone up in the freaking head and neck area. But If you're any sort of playoff team worth a damn, you should be able to kill off more than a minute's worth of it. Get four goals in five minutes. Including right away, six seconds in,
3: goal. Mm -hmm.
1: Maybe you guys should, uh, like once they score the second goal, maybe Gerard Gallant call a timeout, calm them down a little bit, because they're panicking at this point. And no, no, he just lets it go. They get two more goals
3: and take the freaking lead. I think it also has to be noted, too, as a footnote. I understand playoff hockey, there's not a ton of penalties to worry about because more often than not, referees let the players police themselves, the whole shindig, the whole nine yards. But this series, yeah. Gerard was... Gallant scratched one of the league's best penalty killers. Pierre Edward Belmar was not playing for the Vegas Golden Knights in he game did not seven. Play. And yeah. this was the series where a lot of penalties had been getting called. Yeah, Vegas it was, San Jose it was, it was has like been a roller coaster. Vegas
1: San Jose has been more penalty calls, I think, in any se- than in any series.
3: I think by far too. Especially far. those first few games where, those like, first we were first few games. Things were crazy. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, right. We saw three on three regulation hockey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you got to figure that out. But again, the main thing being, I don't care if it's controversial penalty call or not. If you're a team worth a damn. Kill a little bit of it. Don't let four goals happen. Agreed. I think call a timeout. Get them back in gear and get them back in order because the minute that that second goal happened, you're like, they're absolutely tying this. That's what people are thinking watching this game. It's like, oh, San Jose's absolutely tying this. Calm them down, and he didn't.
3: I thought the pregame presentation for that game was dope enough. Oh but my God. hearing that arena oh. during that five-minute major was something oh, I don't think I've ever God. heard before.
1: I have heard that sort of thing one time in my entire life. And I think a lot of people know where I'm going with this if they listen here. And it's Drury against the Rangers. And a off against the Rangers. Like, that is the yeah. volume that San Jose was hitting at.
0: Yeah. That
1: was what we were hearing. From the television, and, and it's, I, I, I'm getting chills right now just thinking about that. Being outside for that, I can only imagine how loud it was in the arena, but outside uh, it was deafening. Outside it was deafening. We like I like I tweeted about it. The pregame awesome. in San Jose looked amazing. Awesome. And I the, my first thought was, we'll be back one day, and it's going to be exactly like that. It will be. I promise it's going to be fun, awesome, and people are going to watch on the TV and go, damn, that scene in Buffalo looks insane. we got to get back there. <laughs> and I promise it's going to happen. It will. But damn it, make it happen. And then to see that game
3: unfold like that, how many people do you think left when it was 3 nothing? I'll admit <laughs> – I was sitting there last night watching with my girlfriend. Patch ready gets that weak, that weak goal between Martin Jones' 5-hole with 16 minutes left. and yeah, yeah, I, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I said, it's to game.
1: I'm going to check you on – first off, I said the same thing. I said it's over. But I am going to check you on the weak goal part. He had a lot of space and time to fire that shot. And if you're a top NHL player
3: – It wasn't a corner, though. It was just close your legs. Yeah, but still, he's got his picking
1: all the time in the world and a screen – I don't think he had a screen, did he? Yeah, there was a defender in between them. Yeah, and great NHL goal scorers will score that. With the amount of time that he had, fair enough. There was no pressure on him. Stone fed him perfectly. He's just hanging out there. This guy's in between them, not knowing what to do, and just bam. So I'm not going to call that weak on Martin Jones. I think that was that was a tough goal. I mean, it like for example, yeah, if Jack tough. Eichel is sitting there at that same spot. You're expecting that to go in. If Austin Matthews is taking that shot, if Steven Stamkos is taking that shot, you expect that to go in.
2: Pacioretty, I can't argue with you. And, and Patrick, Paci- yeah, and Patrick is the. the game, yeah, no, but. I'm
1: just Pacioretty is one of the better players on that team, and he's scored goals. He does that; that's his thing. And but then, yeah, you're thinking three nothing. It's like Dunions. This game's over. Yeah. And I'm thinking, cool. I've got one of my conference championship game. Teams alive
3: still. We are all screwed, by the way now. (laughs) Everybody's screwed. Yeah. (laughs) Winnipeg, Calgary, Vegas, and obviously Tampa. Everybody we had in the Stanley Cup finals is you want you want another footnote on this? If Carolina wins, I've got zero conference championship teams. Zero. I'm still holding on to the Islanders. That's all I have. I still have I had them going to play Tampa.
0: Yeah, if Carolina wins, I still have St. Louis.
3: That was a good one. That's rough.
0: Like, what the hell happened to me? <laughs> what the hell's going on in these playoffs? I, I get, just hear, get the about, hell in. About, That's what's happening. Think, think about this: if Carolina wins tonight, no division winner gets out of the first round.
1: That just means get in the freaking show. Yeah. More than ever this year, it's proving its point. Get in the damn show. Yeah. As a matter of fact, if uh, Washington loses, what is it, only three teams of a higher seed win?
3: San Jose, St. Louis, the Islanders.
1: St. St.
0: Louis wasn't a higher seed. Oh, they weren't.
1: No. That even plays more to it. Boston's the other one. Boston,
0: yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: So I was right on the three. It was just I had the wrong three. But by God. All right. Well, I said the name, so we might as well get into this.
3: No, we 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 kind of glazed over. It. Like yeah, we did glaze is... over this. Yeah, you're right. No, I mean like, like no, before the... we before we go to Toronto that though. Like wack... what are you? It's such a wacky game though.
1: And for but the first thing I was thinking though, like Vegas is humming at the last three minutes, and I'm like, this game deserves overtime. These fans I was thinking that too. I said these fans deserve overtime. I'm like, wait, no, they're in San Jose. <sighs> fans watching deserve overtime. <laughs> Everyone watching
0: on TV wants an overtime.
1: Yeah, they game deserved deserve o- it. the game.
3: Deserved overtime. Yeah, and they got it. Yep. Right, and, and that's why I wrestled with the narrative though. Like, Twitter was a blaze, absolutely a blaze. But I was just, it kind of bugged me that the story of that game wasn't the comeback. It was how the comeback happened. A lot of people were blaming the NHL referees, and all of it is, it's what you mm. saw. And whether they got it right or wrong, I don't, I don't think that matters in their discretion. That was it was it was just disgusting. And at the end of the day, my point's going to stay. Dude, you guys are on the penalty kill. Maybe kill the penalty. There's so yeah, right. there's so many yeah. different ways to look at it. so many narratives that came out of last night, but a lot of it was I, I saw people saying the NHL should be embarrassed. Are you kidding me? No. with the East Coast bias that all these big four sports have, how many people do you actually think have a dog in the fight of a sharks versus Golden Knights game at midnight? Do you think they wanted to see the three nothing game where Vegas inevitably gets a four a fourth goal when San Jose's emptying their net with four minutes left because their season's on the line and the game ends four nothing and everybody's like, Wow, that was a really boring game seven. That was a really one sided affair. Yeah, no. How many people do you think were tuning I mean, you saw the explosion everyone on social media. The NHL, whether no matter how it happened, that thing got ratings. That that I don't I I gotta look yeah. at it, but you look at like Portland and OKC. That's a big game in the NBA playoffs. OKC's done. Big big shot from Damian. That was, that was fighting. There was probably people flipping back with the Sharks and Golden Knights, which never get good rating. Like the NHL is always fighting with other teams to get good rating. Like, oh, my God. How about this? Goals on goals on goals on goals. That's what you
1: want. That's what you want. Not to mention, oh, hey, Vegas tied the game with less than a minute left. You get that drama added in there, and yeah. then you get – Game seven over time. Exactly. Sometimes it doesn't matter how you get there. Sometimes it's just how you do it. Thank and you. And what happens. Thank you. Like, I am with you 100% on this. Vegas. This, has we play- watched a classic. We did. That was... And, oh. like, down three games to one. Down three nothing Vegas in this game. Vegas three to one,
3: seriously. Vegas... The, Vegas? Keep, the narratives keep coming, and people just want to keep throwing blame on something that... Change the course of the series. No, you it, just watch it, it all. No. time. Classic. Appreciate what your eyes are seeing. Here, here's the thing. Here's, Here.
0: a, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It was a penalty on the play. Cody Eakin cross-checked, cross-checked Joe the Pavelski. Neck. No, it was in the chest.
1: Okay, I thought it I was, saw that.
3: it was, it was like in the chest. It high
0: was clear. Yeah, it was. It was in the chest. Pavelski got hurt on the play. Like, him getting hurt doesn't have any relation to, to what the penalty should have been. It should not have been a five minute major. I will say that it should have been a two-minute minor. That's it. Eakin goes to box for two minutes. San Jose probably still scores on that power play. Let's say, let's assume they do. Well, now the game's three to one, and
3: with fourteen minutes to with go, fourteen so minutes, minutes left. Go, yeah. yeah,
0: there's still plenty of time for San Jose to tie the game and even take the lead again. With the way NHL playoffs go, and especially with how they've been this year, and not to mention the talent in San Jose, yeah. I am not ruling out the possibility that San Jose still ties the game. My big thing is this. Or even takes the lead. And we still we get the same kind of dramatics that we do. People are right that it changed the course of the series. But what's to
1: say that that's necessarily a bad thing? Because it was a classic. You're damn right it changed the course of the series. And you know who has to shoulder some of that blame? The Penalty kill in Las Vegas. Yeah. You tied the game. You got to overtime. As a matter of fact, going back in the locker room, you should be feeling all right. Like, crap, we almost blew that. But we're back. We've got second win. Let's go, baby. And back and forth chances they went. Yeah. Guess what? Vegas. Braden McNabb got turned into a pylon. I'll tell you this, though. On a nice feed from Eric Carlson. That Well, that trade paid off. And, <laughs> <laughs> and now they play the colorado avalanche in this is when here's once, the thing once this carolina like here's the problem we're going to have by the way the carolina series is going to happen and we're not going to record again until monday and i really wanted to do a second chance thing here seeing as how we all Swift. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: big time. Yeah, you know what? Let's put it bluntly here. We sucked. Uh, we, we try all not sucked. to be sucked. Yes, didn't. we try, we to try th- not to be sucked. We try yeah. not to be sucked this time. I will, I
0: will say this on the win, on the winning goal. <laughs> I can't blame McNabb that much. He froze a little bit because of Eric Carlson. It was a great pass, and it, yeah, and like I a said, he, turned, he got he pass. got turned into a
1: pile. I'm not saying he did a terrible job, but it happened.
0: It was but, a, you, a
1: great get, pass. Froze good, good him. Goodrow did a hell of a job. To use his agility to get still around. Got, he still got froze, and therefore a still hockey player is still a pylon.
3: <laughs> on what, like a second shift of the game or second shift since the first period? Yeah. Too? They had totally thrown away their fourth line. Yeah. And with one minute and 40 seconds to go in OT, they're gassed. They got nobody left. Joe Thornton and uh, some of their defenders were on the ice for almost two minutes with icing. They have nothing left in their Yeah, legs. that whole line, yeah. They, they had, had no Carlson choice Carlson was out fresh there. Fresh legs, that. baby. Yeah. Throw him
1: back out there. Throw him back. And fresh legs sometimes is the best way to do it. Yeah. Overtime heroes sometimes are the most unlikely of names. Hell. Always are. It's a 26 Today, year anniversary. 26 year anniversary of Brad May. Yep. May Day. Brad May is not a noted goal scorer in no. Sabres history. Well, Noted he, goal scorer,
0: Brad May. But he is
1: <laughs> a noted goal scorer of Sabres lore. Yeah. He's not historically a goal scorer. He's more expected to punch somebody in the face. But he has one of the most famous goals in the franchise's history. And when San Jose looks back on some of their all-time classics, Mm -hmm. they're going to see Woodrow. Barkley Goodrow. (laughs) That is one of the names, and that's one of the highlights that they're going to see from coming back three games to one down 3-0 in a game, being forced to go back into overtime. And that's the name that they're going to remember because it's awesome. And it was in front of their fans. The scene is electric. Everything's bonkers.
0: And we got fan, – hockey fans got a hell of way, a game. With the that's way that the, game that's, – That's awesome. With the way that game went, I, I'm not even mad that – Vegas was my Stanley Cup pick. Yep, I can't be mad, really. Like, welcome, that that's a hell to the of, club, by the way. They did it to the, yeah. They did it to themselves. They blew a three to one series lead,
3: but that was a hell of a Game Seven. Yeah, that was oof, wow. And then we had the Leafs. Oof. <sighs> to unpack. Talk about Twitter going ablaze for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> yes. First off. To
1: quote Steve Dangle, some of you should not be allowed to have social media. (laughs) And I'm talking about all fans in general. I'm not talking about Toronto fans. I'm not talking about Boston fans. Hell, I'm not even talking about just Buffalo fans. Some of you, I'm talking all fans, some of you should not be allowed to have social media. As a matter of fact, some of you, So much should not have social media access that if they even see you pick up a phone, people should be allowed to throw a brick at you.
3: Really interested as to where this is going.
1: Yeah. I'm talking about the people that make threats to players after they make a mistake.
3: Uh,
0: Yes. Our favorite. Yes. Our favorite kind. Yes. 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 You know,
1: those are those kinds of people. It's just like, come on, man. Get out of here with this nonsense. But yes, leaves Twitter was set ablaze last night and the radio today if you listen to 590 oh boy it's uh it's a sad day for them up there i mean you've got the
0: raptors at least
1: (laughs) until they choke the second round as they always do are you referring
3: to brian burke at all did you hear some snippets from his conversation Oh my god Mm -hmm. talking about how austin matthews didn't have a good series
1: First off, if you're gonna paint a target on someone, you did it wrong.
0: Yeah.
3: He had a good series. Five had, goals in seven games. He had a great series, actually. Thirty two shots in seven games. Yeah.
0: But no, he replaced
3: didn't in, a... in the late game listen by what? eight shot Patrick Marlowe in seven games, eighteen minutes. There's uh, ooh. <laughs> ooh. there's a lot to unpack didn't there. Another good series. Oh, what are you watching?
1: You know, we uh we thought we had a better chance out there with Patty in there in the lineup oh, and man. uh and playing our fourth line, and Freddie Gauthier was out there a decent amount on the fourth line, and, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but uh, the sun came up
3: today, so it's all good. Frank, you had a point, but I feel like you were befuddled.
0: I was just going to do make fun of Brian Burke. Just, oh, all right, oh, well, we uh, were only one of two rounds. 32, sh- 32 shots, five goals, and seven games. You have Austin Matthews, Yeah, that's not good enough. Bust. That's, that's not good enough. He's a bust. Bust.
3: This is not blame, though, but four seasons in Toronto for Babcock.
1: I would actually put the blame on him at this point.
3: Three first-round it's exits.
1: starting to.
3: This is number two against Boston.
1: Yeah. This Consecutively. Is, this yeah. is really one of these things now where you're looking at this team and, Does
3: hey. Does it matter who's at the helm if you always have to match up with the Bs? No. Honestly, no, at this point. No. Here's the thing. Especially this season. The narrative
1: around all oh, the playoff format sucks. First off, too bad. Go ahead and tell the Columbus Blue Jackets. Go ahead and tell the Carolina Hurricanes. The Colorado We're pushing Avalanche. The Colorado Avalanche.
3: Mm-hmm. Look around the bracket. Go tell the, St- right.
1: go tell the St. Louis Blues. You have to beat good teams to get to the freaking cup. Because that's what the end game is. It's not about winning the first round. It's not about beating your demons. Go ask the Washington Capitals all these years. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. They've had to deal with Pittsburgh, but guess what? One year, they finally broke through, and they won the cup because that's the end game. We just saw San Jose Vegas. San Jose Vegas. You think either of these teams are going to complain about BS division rules here? Not really. Because, oh, what are you going to do? Get lined up with Colorado or uh, get lined up with Winnipeg or St. Louis? Right. If you're if you're San Jose or Vegas, uh, yeah, those are those are real dandy matchups. Or oh, hey, maybe the Dallas Stars. <laughs> oh, whoops, they won too. This year, more than ever, that narrative is getting busted. And I think here's the big thing about it: it's tough to make the playoffs in that format. I would say it's tougher in that sort of sense. However, to win the Stanley Cup, you have to beat good teams does not matter that the fifth-best team was facing the third-best team or whatever, because eventually that matchup's got to happen. That's up to you and your team to get it done. Toronto didn't get it done. I seriously think that you have to ask questions about Mike Babcock now. The man is a good coach. But is he everything that you robbed us of from getting him for?
3: Especially more the fact that I believe this was the first time under Babcock's coaching regime in Toronto that they even had a series lead to boast.
1: Yes, that's right.
3: 3-2 to two on home ice. Yeah, they had a chance in game to six.
1: close it. For the first time, they had a chance to close it.
0: Yeah, a chance to close a series, yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they were in a different perspective this time, and unfortunately they still didn't get it done. Now the questions are, what the hell do you do now? Who's going to offer Sheep Marner? What's going to happen with some of these players? Are you getting rid of Nazem Kadri, who got suspended again for being a dink?
3: A lot of talk about Jake Gardner yesterday, too.
1: So guess what? We're going to have to see. But you're not going to get any pity from me. Because I wanted you to win. And you blew it. Because once again, you allowed Boston to have nice things. What a what a break for a sports team in Boston, right? What a break. Those those yeah. fans those fans deserved it. Yeah, they didn't want it in a couple hours. They haven't so. wanted they didn't want anything in a couple of weeks. Sure.
0: I was telling I was telling this to Derek. He wanted Toronto to win because he hates Boston that much. I wanted Boston to beat Toronto because just of how, how much more interesting this offseason is going to get.
1: It was going to get Toronto. interesting if they lost in the second round anyway.
0: Not as much, though, because, then, because they still would have no, had what I had to deal with Boston. the threat of possibly. The darkest timeline has Boston going 4 for 4 in a
1: calendar year, and it's alive. I hope the Bucks sweep the freaking Celtics. I hope Tortorella gets to go ahead and shove a pie down Bruce Cassidy's throat. I hope Tuca gets blown up by Duchesne, Panarin, and everything else in the world that the Blue Jackets traded for and might likely lose in free agency. I hope Yarmulkekeleinen does a dance in TD
0: Garden. Why? Because
1: Boston, you've
0: won enough! Well, with the way these playoffs are going, anything can happen.
1: Yeah, including the darkest timeline, which I would hate.
3: Anyway, there was a new name in Sabres coach watch today.
0: Oh God, no! I know who you're talking about. Todd Richards. Not that one. Other one.
1: I'm trying to be.
0: I'm trying to be optimistic, Frank.
1: Because I'm still pissed off about Boston. That's
3: why.
0: It's it's worse than ha- ha- seeing Boston win. First off, first off, first off. Before we get into that,
1: Todd, like Todd Richards, like I was listening. Todd Richards, I think, said. I was listening to Darren Drager on the way in you know, with the Instigators, and that was actually a pretty interesting. Name Todd, Richards, Todd Richards has an NHL coaching experience. He would be an interesting little fit. I would like to see what would happen there. That's an intriguing name. Some retreads get the second chance, like a Bruce Cassidy. And they tend to run with it. Not everyone can be Barry Trotts, successful wherever he goes. So I'd be intrigued about Todd Richards, but oh, well, Frank's looking at his record right now.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I was just seeing like who he who he came from for coaching. Yeah, I forgot he was a head coach of Columbus.
1: Yeah, he was a head coach of Columbus, and the Blue that's Jackets right. were.
0: I was thinking of somebody else for some. Uh, I was thinking of somebody else in Columbus during that time, but I remember now. Yep. yep.
1: But yeah, no, I, I'd be intrigued about that name. However, go ahead, Kyle. I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah, because I honestly am not taking this that seriously.
3: Uh, that's probably the good smart route to go at this point. Jacques Martin, guys, boys, Jacques
1: Martin. Why is that name even being mentioned? The last time he coached, I think it was like 2012. Yeah. As a head coach, yeah. As a head coach.
0: Yeah. Seven years. Look, I get it. The Penguins
1: thing and all that. It's like the Carolina Panthers with the Buffalo Bills of some sorts. But that doesn't mean that you have to go ahead and hire a guy as a head coach who hasn't coached as a head coach since 2012. And it's not really known as what I would call, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, innovative. Are they def- Are hi- have his teams always been defensively sound? Yeah. But do the Sabres need more than that? Absolutely. Yeah. Don't try to Islanders this. Just because you see it working with one team doesn't mean that Jacques Martin's gonna go ahead and frickin' bury trots the rest of this. No. That's why I'm not taking this seriously. There is the interesting snark though that uh, Brian st- Coziel had tweeted out about. Now that the Penguins have been eliminated, are they going to go ahead and hire a Penguins assistant coach? So that <laughs> that, that snarky tweet is there, Cozy, You got us. Now I just hope you're not right in this instance. But uh, this- Gronberg has been mentioned now as a candidate. Chris Taylor is going to get his run, I would hope. Sheldon Keefe is probably going to be an interesting thing. If you could try to talk to Toronto and be like, hey, uh, we want to hire him as head coach.
0: Well, no, you don't get to talk to him. <laughs> No, you don't get to talk to him Because he's going to be our coach Oh, But yeah, no I'm, I'm not
1: taking Jacques Martin very seriously here Because Honestly, if that happens Well, I'm getting ready for a new general manager next year I'm going to put it that bluntly If they hire a friggin' dinosaur Which, by the way Kudos to you old boys club Jacques Martin is apparently being considered as a as a head coaching candidate as I roll my eyes into a headache I can see my brain it's very small
0: <laughs>
1: but if they hire Jacques Martin as their next head coach when they have guys out there like a Kruger or or Kronberg or a Todd Richards, or a Chris Taylor, or a Sheldon Keith that are available on the table, and they hire Jacques Martin, then I'm ready for a new general manager. That's all I'm going to say about it.
0: I'm done. Do you guys have any supplemental thoughts? I just hope that they're just looking at all ideas possible, and then they realize, yeah, Jacques Martin no. Then they realize, oh wait, Jacques Martin's a friggin' dinosaur. Yeah, like I'm on board for Todd Richards. Like, yeah,
1: I just said I right. would be very much on board. for I'm that. intrigued with that idea. Yeah, like, yeah, he's been a head coach previously, which obviously we're he's probably had looking some at some success
0: bit at. as a head coach. So hey, I'll take this as an interesting little route. And then coming from the ideas of the ideas with Tampa. Yep.
1: I mean, and if you hire a dinosaur instead of a guy like that or a guy like Ralph Krueger or a guy like Gronberg or like really there's there's so many options still available that if that's the one you think is the best one well I'm going to start looking at names for GMs. cuz it's going to be one year and before uh I think everything crashes and burns delightfully and we waste another year of Jack Eichel
0: I think we have our top 3 candidates for Sabres head coach now Oh yeah, I think we're like a lot of I think we're really starting to piece that together. Richards, Gronberg, and Chris Taylor. Chris Gronberg also did talk to Vogel. Yes, and it seems like a lot of the the way the way he he runs a team. Very like it's good, very good. Like you want you'd want this guy as your coach.
1: Yeah. That's
0: what it sounded like. Ralph Kruger got the most out of the least in the
1: World Cup of Hockey. Yeah. And then you can end up with or you can end up behind door number sixty two, Jacques Martin. <laughs> <sighs> Seriously. I'm not like I'm not taking this as a as a potential threat. Like McClellan, I was a little worried that they would legitimately hire the reverse sweep. That was a legitimate thought of okay, maybe they might go ahead and try to go after Elaine Vigneault. Jacques Martin, I am not taking nearly as seriously right now, and maybe I should because uh, I tend to have a problem with jinxing things as of late. Looking at six of you NHL teams if the capitals lose if the capitals lose i get two picks right out of the entire first round good lord that is pathetic john shannon like we all sucked but that is like i am particularly bad this first round if the canes win
3: john shannon 21 minutes ago says jacques martin has become a popular coaching candidate with both buffalo and ottawa Asking permission to talk to the Penguins' assistant. Please,
1: Melnick. Please, Melnick. Please, Melnick. Please, Melnick.
0: Do the dumb thing.
3: Popular coaching candidate.
1: Oh my God. I have hope again. Eugene Melnick could save the day. What? Did I say that right? I guess. Eugene Melnick, save the day for us. Honestly, if that were to happen, would Mark Crawford be all that bad of an idea? The Senators' interim coach had them playing better, despite being a worse roster. Pierre Dorian said before the season, we're a team. As to give fans hope for the season,
0: we're a team? (laughs) That happened! I know it did. I saw it. It And Crawford had
1: them... Not terrible for their being a AHL team.
0: They were pretty bad still. That's the talent on the
1: roster, man. I'm just saying it'd be a hell of a lot better of an idea than friggin' Jacques Martin. Let's be real about something here. Alright. I think we've I think we've done enough here. We've done our damage. Thank you for listening to the Left Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank R.
0: Curry.
3: And Vlad Guerrero, who homered again today.
1: You are not Vlad <laughs> Guerrero. You are not. You are. Ah, right. Uh, Kyle Powell. There we go. He got it right there. It took him another try. And then again, Monday, he said he was Jesus. Uh, <laughs> but next week we'll be on our normal schedule, Monday and Thursday. As always, we just knew that Thursday's going to be a little crazy.
3: I'm in for the second second chance playoff bracket, though. Let's make that happen. So you know what we'll do?
1: We will tonight watch what happens here. And you know what? We're both in the building tomorrow, Kyle. We'll just ask Frank to come in and we'll do a, a, a mini pod. A mini pod of the playoff predictions. And we'll pick the Bills at pick nine tomorrow with a mini pod. Look at that. I just came up with something off the top of my head. You're welcome, people. Or I'm sorry if you don't like listening to us, first off, and then why are you listening to us? Second off, um, well, let's get a little crazy here. The NFL draft starts in one day. We made it. Let's get it. Bills. Pick nine. Maybe. Probably not. Possibly. Thanks to Matt Perino for calling in and giving us his takes there. You can check out his mock draft. He's on Twitter, at Matt Perino. And we'll see what happens. This is going to be fun. And, well, you better bet that Monday is going to be full-on recap mode for the draft. And, of course, it's us. We'll have some Stanley Cup playoffs things in there, as well as Kyle's three-up, three-down from the baseball week. We're just going to do that every Monday. Look at that. Plans. Plans and bits and regular things other than me screaming like a buffoon.
0: There's always going to be.
1: Draft tomorrow, mini-pod tomorrow, as we redeem ourselves from our terrible picks. But draft, let's get it. Go Bills.
0: Go